How important is it for us average folk to understand our taxes, as opposed to simply making sure they get filed or having a software program do them for us? And what parts are the most important to understand? Those are the questions that Stephen Jarvis answers on this episode of the podcast. Stephen is a CPA with over 10 years of experience from top accounting firms. He partners with some of the most successful financial advisors in the industry to help them serve their clients well. I'm your host, Landon Buto, and this podcast is provided by Cleveland Street Mortgage in pursuit of our mission of helping people to cultivate wealth and property in submission to the Lord Jesus Christ. Please enjoy this week's conversation, and remember that if you're interested in getting a mortgage with our team at CSM, or if you know someone who might be getting a mortgage soon, connect with us at clevelandstreet.com. All right, Stephen, today we are talking about uh, things the average taxpayer needs to understand and specifically, we'll be talking in the context of a mid-career professional. So I know there's a lot to be aware of for individuals who are kind of nearing retirement, but today we're focusing on just year-to-year decisions for the average taxpayer. Um, so I want to start with a simple question. Why does understanding your taxes matter? Landon, I think the biggest thing when it comes to why would why do we even talk about taxes is that this is going to be one of the single bis- biggest expenses any of us have throughout our lifetime. The, especially as you talk about mid-career professionals, <clears throat> sometimes early in your career, you don't feel that tax bite quite as much. The lower tax brackets, the standard deduction might really minimize how much you're paying. But as you get into that right. mid part of your career, as your earnings start going up and you're consistently paying 20, 25, 30% in taxes, you start to really feel, oh, this is a big part of my financial life now. Yeah. Yeah. Those are, are those real, like real average numbers, 20, 25, 30%? Yeah. Depending on the type of professional we're talking to, uh, you know, we get, we get hung up on what are the actual tax brackets, but since we have a progressive tax system that, that whatever your marginal rate is, whatever you're going to pay in your next dollar of income, that's that's not your average. And so I, I work with people all the time who are in that somewhere in that 20 to 30 percent average federal tax rate. So that, that that's just the federal side, especially if you look at people in like California or New York, you could easily be paying 40 to 50 percent of your t- your income to taxes. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any stories that kind of kind of come to mind just in terms of illustrating this, uh, the, the importance of um, being able to understand? So obviously, something that's that big of of an expense for you you know you should probably have a have a basic understanding of um of how it works why it matters um do you have have any stories of or just concepts where uh, that illustrate that understanding your taxes has made a difference for these people of being able to uh, actually kind of navigate and manage it a little bit more yeah, thankfully, I have a lot of opportunities to work with people on on tax planning, so I get to see this all the time. the The first thing I start with is looking at a person's tax return with them and stopping on line twenty four. I promise there won't be a quiz later, but I highlight line twenty four because this is the amount of your hard earned money the IRS kept the last year. Because a lot of us get get really disconnected from our tax bill because it gets withheld from our paychecks. And we don't really think about just how much we're giving up each year to taxes. And so taking a second and saying, wait, how much of my money did the IRS keep gives us a really good framework for understanding why it's important to make the small decisions that we can. Because a lot of times tax planning is about consistently making small decisions over time. This this idea of small hinges swing big doors. Uh, I'm not your guy for setting up an account in the Cayman Islands and trying to dodge taxes. 
This is about understanding the choices available to us and making sure we get ahead over time. Yeah. Yeah. So talk a little bit more about some of the the most universal concepts. So I've heard you talk about line 24 before. Um, what other concepts uh, are, are just the basics that we need to be familiar with? Yeah, so for most people, I, I want to make sure that we're at least thinking about taxes twice a year, ideally more often. But I, I go with twice because everyone thinks about taxes when they file their tax return. Mm-hmm. And then we want to give ourselves at least one other time where we take a step back and can proactively say, OK, are my withholdings where I want them to be? Am I getting the refund or making the payment at tax time that I want to? Am I taking advantage of benefits? You mentioned mid-career professionals. Am I taking advantage of the benefits available to me, whether that's pre or after tax 401k contributions, so I have access to an HSA? Am I making sure that if I have income I'm generating that's outside of my W-2 employment, that I'm deducting any expenses related to that? But but taking this minute to, to say, what, what are the choices available to me? And am I doing something about it? Because some years there won't be a lot you can do, but at least annually as life, as life changes, as tax code changes, we need to say, am I still on track? Yeah. So I'm probably at one one extreme end of the spectrum in um, I'm sure there's the average person understands kind of more than I do about your your year to year taxes. Um, But for those of us who don't who don't deal in the weeds, um, how much of an impact can you really have? Because in my mind, it's kind of just this is what I'm taxed um, Mm -hmm. and, and it is what it is. How much of an impact can you really have in the decisions that you make? on how much you end up kind of paying in taxes? Uh, it's a great question, and I, I wouldn't discount your, your knowledge there. I would say most most taxpayers, the vast majority of taxpayers, don't really understand how the tax system works. Um, and that's, that's nothing against taxpayers. It's a convoluted, messy system that's really created by lobbyists, and then the IRS tries to put that into a tax code. Um, but as far as what we can do in a given year to have an impact, Again, we, we've got to remember this is this is small changes over time, because let, let's take um, let, let's take a, a simple example, just even contributing to an HSA. So for what, depending on whether you have uh, individual or family coverage, you're going to get somewhere between four and eight thousand dollars into an HSA account uh, every year, or at least that you can contribute to an HSA account. Uh, and then that, that's going to be a tax deduction. And so that's going to that's going to reduce the amount of your income that you're taxed on. So de- again, depending on how much tax you pay, maybe we're saving two, three thousand, maybe even four thousand dollars a year, de- depending on the brackets we're in. Uh, and you might think, oh, geez, that's a, that's a lot of a headache. Why, why do I go through it for that? But if we do that every year for the next 10 years or for the next 20 years, or if we take that a step further and say, even though I'm contributing to my health savings account, I'm not going to use that for my health expenses this year. I'm going to invest those dollars because we can we can invest those just like any other dollars and let that grow tax free over, you know, again, the next 10, 20, 30 years. Now, suddenly we're talking about six figures of tax free income. It's the same with making small adjustments to our 401k or I'm a huge advocate for a lot of people of looking very seriously at the Roth option because that puts money again into a tax free bucket. So even if we take small dollar amounts in a given year, we over time, we can easily fill up a bucket that the IRS doesn't get a piece of. Hmm. So in terms of principles that contribute to success with your taxes, it sounds like long-term thinking is really important. 
Yeah, absolutely. Tax planning is definitely a long, long game. Most people, like I said before, only think about taxes once a year, and that's how the IRS wins. Mm -hmm. I, I am all for paying every dollar you owe, but there's no patriotic right. rewards for leaving a tip. So let's make sure that we do what we can to only pay what we absolutely have to. Yeah, it makes sense. You you brought up um, the the different brackets that you're mm -hmm. in. That's another concept I've heard you talk talk about a little bit is just kind of the marginal tax rate. Can you explain what that is? Yeah, so when we talk about marginal tax rate, the easiest way to think about this is how am I going to be taxed on the next $100 I make? And the reason this is important is a common, common misconception around taxes in my experience, most people are familiar with the fact that there are different tax brackets, but I'll mm -hmm. run into people who will be nervous about their next raise or about getting a bonus because they're worried that when I suddenly go into the next tax mm -hmm. bracket, now all of my income just became more expensive. Mm -hmm. And we, we have what's considered a progressive tax system. And so that means that the tax rates do go up as your income goes up, but it only goes up on those next dollars. The, mm. the other place this is important is when we look at other elements of tax that are not directly the income tax we pay. So the, the, the simplest would be if I'm in the 24% marginal tax bracket, if I own, earn an extra $100, I'm going to pay $24 in taxes. But if we're if we're eligible for different credits or if we're getting um, other if there's other things tied to our taxable income, like our ability to deduct IRA contributions. Now, all of a sudden, there's other things that can come into play as our income goes up. Uh, one, you know, d depending on the, the kind of the range of, of income levels of your, of your listeners, one that I see people get surprised by and not in a good way is as they get over the threshold for being able to take the child tax credit. Because a lot of people don't realize that that credit does phase out, and mm. so w when you have a when you when you've been going along getting two thousand dollars per kid of a, of a tax credit, and then you suddenly exceed that, uh, that can come as a surprise at tax time. Yeah, interesting. That makes sense. Is there kind of a basic curriculum that you would recommend? Uh, you know, these five concepts everyone should understand of the tax, how a Roth is taxed versus a 401k, understand line 24, marginal tax rate. What are kind of the basic concepts that everyone should be familiar with to be able to succeed with their taxes and planning for those? Uh, Landon, that, that's a great question. And I, I wish I had a better resource to point to because unfortunately taxes is one of these things that we're all kind of expected to know, but we're never taught. I hear people all the time say, oh, this should be on every high, and every high school curriculum. I don't disagree, but nobody asks for my input. Um, yeah. And yeah. so I, I strongly recommend that, that people really focus on what's on their tax return. So rather than just go Google, what should I know about taxes? Mm. Make sure you're looking at your tax return and just you can even start as simple as which lines of my 1040 have numbers on them and then start. Thankfully, there, there's a variety of of resources out there, whether it's on YouTube or different podcasts like uh, you talk about here. Um, to to you you want to start simple and build from that. What I would really just strongly recommend people keep in mind is that just because it's on the internet the internet does not make it true. There are plenty of people out there who like to share very uh, attention grabbing headlines of different t potential tax strategies that at times are misleading if not blatantly false. And so. The, nobody needs to become a tax expert in um, all, all, in an all-encompassing way. You need to just understand how this applies to your situation. And so start with your return, start with what lines are have numbers on them, and then slowly build over time. Makes sense. That's helpful. 
So the, those you you brought up the Roth earlier. Um, those those seem like fairly common investments. You let me know if if I'm wrong there. But either just kind of the the Roth IRA direction, the 401k option. Um, those seem like fairly common investments for people. Just like yeah, this seems like a good decision. I should be doing one of these. Um, can you break down some of the differences between those two on the tax side? Yeah, so when we talk about tax advantaged accounts, the the most common discussion is around pre-tax versus after-tax or traditional versus Roth. We're talking about the same thing there. And really what it comes down to is do I want a tax benefit now or do I want a tax benefit later? Because when we do traditional or pre-tax contributions, we get to deduct that amount from our income this year and we pay less in taxes this year which when we're in our highest earning years, that can be a great advantage to be able to defer when we pay our taxes. The The problem there is that at some point, the IRS is gonna say, okay, our patience has run out and we want our piece. And what adds to that problem is the fact that the tax code is written in pencil. Congress can change it anytime they want to. And we already know that tax rates are gonna go up in 2026. And so by having large amounts in pre-tax or tax deferred accounts, we're, we're essentially letting the IRS hold on to a variable rate mortgage on our investments and they get to pick what the interest rate is, which is why I'm, I am a, I'm a big advocate of Roth. It's, it's not a magical fix all for every situation, but it's something that I think should at least be considered because the, the trade off is that you would you pay taxes now on that income. Yeah, uh, but then that after tax contribution then gets to grow tax free. And so now the IRS is not in the picture anymore. We get to we get to invest these dollars. We let, get to let these dollars grow over time. And this is certainly a, a long term uh, planning mechanism because there are some limitations on uh, what age we can pull those dollars out at. But uh, there, it's one of the most powerful tax planning tools that's widely available to the public. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, when you talk about traditional pre-tax versus Roth or post-tax, um, is uh, are you saying then like a 401k, for example, is is pre-tax? So traditionally, that's the most common. Uh, over the last several years, more and more 401k plans have offered a Roth option, and then okay. just this. Just this last year, with uh, when Congress passed the Secure Act 2.0, they expanded a lot of availability for Roth options. Now, for people listening, you need to check with your plan administrator, with your employer. You need to make sure that you understand how this works inside of the 401k you have access to. But in general, Roth options are becoming more and more accessible. Yeah. So can you quantify just super practical? You're talking you know, uh, in those two two different variables, you're talking, um, you know, you can maybe knock off whatever you're investing, you can knock that off of of your taxable income. Um, and and then you said that the IRS eventually runs out of patience. They say, you know, we, we, we got to have this. Um, w- what does that look like? Is there a certain, uh, there's a certain time constraint at which you have to pull from that and they tax you on that? Or how does that work? Yeah, for pre-tax dollars at, at the at the extreme, when you get to it's it's now currently it's at age 73, it'll it's moving to age 75. But we get to what the IRS calls required minimum distributions, where they say we don't care if you want to use the money, you've got to start pulling it out and pay us taxes. But e- even before that, you, you're in theory you're investing this money so that you can someday use it to help 
facilitate your retirement. And so it's either when the IRS mandates it or when you just get around to, hey, I'm, I'm ready to start using this money. I'm start, ready to start drawing on these investments. At that point, the IRS is going to say, okay, now give us our portion. And so one of the questions we have to think about when we decide uh, pre-tax versus Roth contributions is, do I have any concern that tax rates might go up in the future? And this this is a, can be an individual consideration. Um, and I, my crystal ball is just as broken as everyone else's. Sure. But when you look when you look at the fact that tax rates are at historical lows, you look at other economic and political factors, and then even just at the individual level, depending on where people are at in their career, it's you know do if I expect to make more money in the future or have a higher income in the future, it's possible even if tax rates don't change by law, that my tax rate will change as I have higher. Uh, earnings in the future. And whereas the Roth option, you, you're paying that kind of as you go, but then eventually when you draw on it, then you're not taxed for that draw. Is that what you're saying? Yes, that when you when you make the contribution, you've you've already paid tax on the amounts that you're putting in, but then the the investments will grow tax free and can be used tax free. And like I said, there there's a couple of limitations we have to look in at in there sure. as far as timing. But the the great news is um, that the amounts that you contributed, what we talk about as your basis, that's always accessible to you. So usually when I'm talking to taxpayers. One of the reasons we want to fill up a Roth bucket is because at some point you're inevitably going to need a lump sum of money. And I'd like to tell people that hopefully that's for something fun, like a big trip or an RV or whatever you're interested in. It's possible to be for something not fun, like medical bills or a new roof. But either way, Roth gives us more flexibility to take those dollars without without also having to consider how much do I have to write to the IRS. Interesting. Okay. Makes a lot of sense. So there, that's helpful as a start. Obviously, um, you know, you get to a point where you just need to uh, put your faith in someone as a tax preparer or, or, or as a software. Um, I've seen you talk a little bit about some criteria kind of look for, be, being careful about what kind of softwares you use or preparers you use, or be discerning instead of just kind of plugging the numbers in and, and letting it go. Um, what, what, what advice would you give as people are choosing tax preparers and softwares? Yeah, so we'll take that uh, kind of in two different routes because a lot of people like to DIY their taxes, and uh, I, I'm all for that in theory. But like you said, at some point you're going to get to a complexity, just like anything else in your life, where you'd rather let someone else worry about it. And the biggest thing I try to remind people is that just because something went through a software does not make it magically perfect. And uh, the <laughs> I, I've seen too many situations where someone was able to you know, type something into a box in whatever DIY software you want to use and it let them file their taxes. And so they assume that everything must be fine until they get that that love letter from the IRS that says, nope, we don't agree. And so we we want to make sure that we're doing things that we understand. And so as you're filling out your tax return, if the software is prompting you with questions that you just have no idea what the right answer is, maybe it's time to look for a tax professional. And what I would what I encourage people to do when they're looking for a tax professional is, I mean, one, you want to, I would recommend you look for someone who's licensed, whether they're a CPA or an enrolled agent. I don't have a strong preference one way or the other. I, I'm a CPA, but that's just because of the career path I took. Enrolled agents do a fantastic job on taxes as well. More importantly, I'd really ask questions about the experience that you're going to have. And in particular, I would ask, uh, what can I expect to hear from you outside of tax filing season? 
because for a lot of tax preparers, the answer is going to be oh, nothing. We, we file your taxes and we move on. And that might be okay if all you're looking for is someone to, to file your taxes for you, but that's not going to be someone who's going to help you proactively think about the future. Yeah, no, that's super helpful. That makes sense. Um, as a broad principle, how informed would you recommend that that taxpayers try and stay on their own? Uh, obviously, like you said, you're going to get to a point where you have to trust someone and put your um, put put that in someone else's hands. Um, but just as a as a general principle. Again, you know, obviously it's going to vary person to person, um, but what general advice would you provide for how informed should should you be on your taxes and what are the best ways to stay informed? Uh, what I like to tell people is that there needs to be someone on your team who is staying up to date on what is relevant to your tax situation. So if you're a DIYer and you want that to be you, great. You just need to make sure you're committed to it, um, that that you might get to a point where that's, that's a trusted professional. Um, it's not that you need to be an expert on all things taxes for for individuals, whether they work with a tax professional or not. I like to recommend that people need to be aware enough that they're at least going to ask questions. You don't have to understand all the nuances of pre-tax versus Roth, as an example, since we've been talking about that. But you need to at least be able to ask and say and understand, am I contributing pre-tax or am I contributing Roth? Mm -hmm. And be able to ask the questions of, well, which one makes more sense this year? Because it might change from year to year. Yeah, no, that's super helpful. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, Stephen, what kind of client do you generally serve and how can they follow your work? So I, I have a consumer facing podcast. It's called the Retirement Tax Podcast. It is focused on, again, long term planning. It's not necessarily just for retirees, but mm -hmm. we talk about concepts uh, focused on how do we do these these small things over time. Uh, for me personally, I spend my time collaborating with financial advisors and their clients. So I work with a lot of individuals and families who are either somewhere in their career, but but planning for the future or are, are approaching or in retirement. And the reason I collaborate with financial advisors is because while I'm the tax guy, that's not the only important piece to someone's financial life. Sure. And I wanna make sure the other things are being considered as well, because every, every money decision has a tax impact. Yeah, awesome. Well, I will go ahead and put the link to that podcast in the description on the show notes here. Steven, really appreciate your time. Super helpful. Thanks for coming on. Really appreciate it, Landon. Keep up the good work. Thanks for listening to Work is Good. If you enjoyed it, share it with someone else, leave a review, and listen next week.